Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. That it was really hard that year, I think, in particular. Um, I felt, you know what, maybe I can't take the club any further and maybe I should look elsewhere, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. Yeah, yeah. Because it was like two years in a row. So I, I tend not to talk too much if we lose after the game because that, that will be 100% emotion. Um, um, and then when you have a bit more time, what you're going to say is a bit more thought out. So if them sort of things are called into question, then yeah, that becomes a little bit of an issue that needs to be dressed down and people need to know, look, at a minimum, you have to put the effort in and you have to make sure these, these supporters feel like you're playing for their, for their club, you know? I don't, I don't want you to just include me into a round of interviews because I fit a, you know, a, a certain a criteria. Yeah, criteria. Mm -hmm. I just would like you to see me for me, you know. <laughs> uh, then let's do that because you can see what I can do, not because you know the colour of my skin means that you've got to go through these lines of questions and then tick me off and say thanks. I've, well, Gavin was my quota. I'm not a fan of the Rooney Rule, to be honest with you. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Beautiful Game Podcast. I know this ain't the voice you're expecting, but yep. obviously um, Budge couldn't make it today. Um, I have Dej with me. How are you today, Dej? Yeah, I'm good, Doc, man. I'm really excited for this one. This is a, this is going to be a, a special, special episode. Yeah, we got, um, I know you're saying special and we've got a very, very special guest in the room right now. Um, I think if you're from London and you haven't heard of this man, then... I think you, you've done yourself a massive disservice. Um, you know what, I don't think I'm going to give him justice, so <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it to you to introduce the man that we have here today. Yeah, this is a man that's very synonymous with the football scene in London. He's produced more talent than, you know, Barcelona's academy, probably. <laughs> He's a special, special man with a good eye for talent. He doesn't just help people in the football scene, he helps people, you know, with skills through life and 
I think that defines him as a man and he's a he's a top top man. So yeah, um ladies and gentlemen, we have um Gavin Rhodes with us. If you just want to give him a round of applause there. How are you today, sir? Very well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for coming on. Yeah, we appreciate it, Gavin. No, we no appreciate worries. you coming Pleasure on. To be here. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we just want to speak to you about, you know, your career in football. Your life growing up, how yep. did it start? How did you get hooked on the beautiful game of football? <laughs> yep. and, you know, and just things as they are now at the present moment. So maybe if we just start from the early stages. How did you fall in love with football? Um, <clears throat> I grew up um, next to the Venture Playground, Leighton Square in Peckham. Um, near enough, everyone would go there at some point during the day and play football. Um, when I used to play, the pitch was dusty. Uh, yeah. It was rubbish, <laughs> to be honest. And if you were like five, you would still play with 15-year-olds. Yeah. Um, and it was just like 10 aside, 11 aside, whatever it may be. Um, I just got a bug for it from then. Um, a lot of my friends were three, four years older than me. Um, and that sort of toughened me up as well. Um, but yeah, I just had a real love for the game. Played three, four, five, six hours a day uh, growing up. And yeah, it hasn't changed. Wow. So... What was the first team like you supported growing up? Which players did you like immerse yourself with and connect yourself with? Like, yeah, a lot of my friends would know the answer. It was uh, Liverpool. Uh, okay. <laughs> so you got a Liverpool top here. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Liverpool supporters. Yeah. 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 And John Barnes was obviously when I was younger as a child. Um, he was the main guy in English football. Mm. Um, and I was the one. I used to think I was John Barnes. I used to pretend I was him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite get there, but you know, yeah. he was my inspiration as a young player. So. Yeah, that was that was me. Okay, so what style of player were you growing up? Like, what position did you play? It, it changed. It was down to my physical development. I was really small when I was younger, um, so I was a winger. Okay, um, I was really small and pacey. And then as I got older, I had a growth spurt when I was sixteen. Um, it was like quite a big growth spurt, and I sort of changed because I couldn't be as dynamic. Mm. Um, so I was then became a midfield player. Um, I'd say I used to like getting on the ball and passing and dribbling and stuff like that yeah. <clears throat> um, I think growing up in my area you you tend to be more creative anyway yeah uh, you try and be creative and that's the way everyone sort of wants to play football yes yeah. so that was sort of one of the things that I wanted to do as a player you know so like from the very beginning did you like adapt and adopt like leadership traits like anytime you play football you want to win you don't want to lose or yeah. do you just play it for fun or you started seeing traits that like I take control I, yeah. I tell players to do what they need yeah. to do and etc yeah it's a strange one um, when I was like when we were younger playing around the estate everyone was leaders like no one wanted to lose mm. um, you know there was a, a tough edge to the boys on the estate anyway playing football or not Mm. So losing wasn't something that anyone sort of took kindly to. Mm. So I think that's kind of a character building sort of thing mm-hmm. at the time. And then when we'd then go and play Sunday football, that you just brought that with you, that mentality of not wanting to lose. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So with that, I think it starts to, you build or you learn leadership skills. Um, and firstly, I think the, the main thing was just not wanting to lose. And then it starts becoming, how do you help other people yes. have the similar goal and mentality of, of trying to do the best you can? Mm. Uh, collectively and that's grown over the years and it's always still growing as within me I'm still learning um, leadership something that as you work with more people um, and even at a higher level it, it changes you know mm. it's not as, as simple as just I want to win there's different aspects towards mm. that as well so what was your first experiences like playing the game what team did you play for and stuff like that how did you get into the game 
my first team was a uh, Red Lion. Um, okay, Bermondsey. Yeah, Bermondsey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Strange one because I lived in in Peckham, um, and Bermondsey was known as like a racist area. Yeah. Um, I even went to school in Bermondsey, yeah. so I literally was in the Lions then at times. But um, a lot <laughs> of my friends uh, were who were older than me. They went to Red Lion and they were a little bit older, two years older, and I went and played with them in a team that was like basically quite physical. Yeah. Um, so that was good because I, I got bashed up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I learned the ropes a bit quicker. And then the manager of the team of my age group uh, basically said, You should be playing with them, even though you can, you should play with our, our team. Uh, and that team was good. Um, Jason Yule was in, that, in my age group. He played at, obviously at Charlton. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we had a few other good players in that in that team, and it was probably a te- much more technical team. Um, and I think I developed a lot quicker then because everyone had a, a common goal to do well in that team. So I stayed there for maybe two two years, um, and then sort of went into academies after. Mm. Okay, so which academies did you go into? And um, at that time, you could play Sunday football, and you could still play. Uh, for a professional team. Okay, <laughs> wow. So it was wow. weird. So I, he was able to like, uh, like we'd play games in the afternoon for our Sunday mm-hmm. team and play for our professional team. So I was at Charlton uh, from sort of 12 to 14 and then um, I came out of Charlton because I didn't grow. Um, okay. Just like, you know, you, you look like you're not going to grow sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went back to my Sunday team and then went into Wimbledon then I went to QPR mm-hmm. and um, just as I got to 16, I was, I was saying I had a growth spurt and mm-hmm. it was just before a scholar. Yeah, and it was really strange because I was trying to adjust to this growth spurt, yeah, yeah. Um, and also try and get a scholar. Um, and I went into Millwall, who had a very good youth team at the time, yeah. uh, and just missed out on the scholar. And I ended up going back into non-league football yeah. um, at, at Sutton United, who were a pretty good club at the time. And I trained with their first team, uh, and they were the equivalent of the Conference South now at the okay. time. Yeah, yeah. And I was 16, training with them, their first team, and playing the youth team competitively. And that was sort of like, all right, this is the best thing away from being in a full-time yeah. uh, YTS school. Mm. So did you see like a difference in quality when you went from professional to Sunday league and you start, when you were mixing yeah. the two together? Was there like a stark contrast or yeah. was it similar <coughs> or how was it? Was it just about winning or yeah. when you were at the pro team, it was more about, you know, let's play football, let's yeah. build an ambience. How, how was it? Strange. I think the quality and standard of play out at Sunday football back in the days at schoolboy level was really high. Like, okay. Um, because you had a lot of boys who half of my team or the majority of my team were playing with professional clubs. Okay, okay. Um, so we'd play at two o'clock in the afternoon mm. but we already played for the professional team of the day. Mm. So it was a strange one because the mm. quality, there wasn't much difference. Do you know what I mean? Okay, that, yeah, that makes sense. But in terms of like player quality, there wasn't much difference. In terms of coaching quality, was the yeah. infrastructure different yeah. or how, yeah, how yeah, was it? definitely, definitely. Obviously, um, the, the, the professional environment has, they have... Um, you know, more resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're expected to have better coaches as well. So it was definitely, it was definitely good. I would say in terms of uh, exposure to coaching, um, learning, development as a player. I think it was definitely better for for us when we was in a professional environment. But they also, I think the shackles are off when you're at Sunday football. When you're at Sunday football, you're allowed to express yourself a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, okay. So yeah. it was hard. I think it was probably a good all-round development for players in them days because you could feel a bit more free. Mm. Sunday football, um, but at professional football, you coach properly. Yeah. 
but then also sometimes you would be a bit restricted in what you wanted to do because you might think oh, I'm not going to get anything yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah so did you feel like a pressure yeah, yeah, I you remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember being at <laughs> professional clubs. It was pretty school teacher environment when we were younger. Like you know, it was like uh, there wasn't much interaction with the coaches and and the staff. Um, and it was like do it, don't do it, or you're out, sort of thing. And you, yeah, you picked up that sort of vibe um, growing up. That you know, if you maybe have a bad game, that's it. You're done. They'll get the next boy in. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of players would have suffered because. I think, again, for my area, a lot of the boys didn't have parents taking them to, to football. Didn't have that support where you'd see some of the other boys have. And then, you know, if you didn't have that person to, to guide you yes. off the pitch and say, you know what, it's all right, you'll be okay next time, do this, do that. Yes. You could be lost and you could find that, well, this is a bit too, it's overawing, really. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you said you were at Sutton United. I know you had a brief playing career, so... How did that stop and how was your experiences mm. playing? Yeah, I'd say um, at Sutton I played, <clears throat> I came through the youth team, um, managed to get in the first team and then I went to play at Bromley uh, and then Gravesend and Northfleet, which okay. is now Ebsfleet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we had a very good team. We took the team to the conference. Um, but at the time I was sort of getting to mid-20s, I was picking up a lot of injuries. And also I always felt that I was playing football to be a pro and I always thinking look, as the years go on I'm not going to be a pro do you know what I mean Yeah. Um, and a lot of the environment at, at non-league I felt was it weren't suited to the way I like to play football Okay. Uh, everyone was there weren't many teams who passed the ball mm. um, it was get it forward quickly mm-hmm. you know get the second balls and and that wasn't really that weren't really for me uh, it didn't bring out my best attributes I mm. felt so I started not really enjoying playing as I got older because it was more about how much can you run? How mm. much? How can you tackle? And I was thinking, oh, I'm not enjoying this. It's not how I started to play football. Why I like playing mm. the game. Um, so I started to think about coaching um, mm. even more. So um, I used to coach um, at Leighton Square. <clears throat> we had um, some really talented boys at Leighton Square, and mm. I used to coach them even whilst I was playing. But then I started to think, you know what? Maybe I should take more time into the coaching. Yeah. Roughly around mm. 25, 26. And that's when we sort of started up the uh, the academy. So, when you were playing in the changing room, were you one of those players that other players will look at and say, "Yep, yeah, Gavin's going to be a, a manager"? Or no, no way. No. It is okay because no, no, most no. when you yeah, hear about yeah, coaches, you yeah, hear yeah, them yeah. say, "Yeah, you know I what, know. this guy's going to be a future manager." I think because the environments I was playing in, I didn't enjoy them, so they okay. never really got the real me in the in the, in the changing room. Okay, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So Gavin was it because it was more get the ball forward? Yeah, just to win. It wasn't about. You know. The way it mm, wasn't about the okay. way. I never thought I was from year on. I never thought I was developing every year. I okay. just thought it's monotonous. We're doing the same thing every year. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I didn't really feel I was going to improve in that type of way. So I just felt like I was playing football because that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Turn up, play the game. That's what I do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but then I was thinking, where's this going? Like, uh, so I don't think I was really me. Um, when I was playing from the age of sort of nineteen to twenty five, twenty six. Mm. Anyway, I just thought I was just doing it because this is what I do going through the motions in a sense without without realising it I was just going through the motions and like you say part of me was I'm a winner and some of the players in my dressing room always saw me as a a laugh and a joke Mm. and mucking about and (laughs) pranked because (laughs) I couldn't I couldn't take it as seriously as I thought it needed to be taken because I just felt it wasn't serious at times you know what I mean Yeah. so yeah I think a lot of players who I played with were like wow 
you're a manager. Like, yeah, you know yeah, like, yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But a few of my close friends who would talk about football in different, in a deeper depth, knew that I always had that sort of passion and and I always coached anyway with young players and stuff like that. So it wasn't a surprise for them. People sort of I was a bit closer to, mm-hmm. but um, some of my teammates would probably have never ever guessed it. Do you know? What okay, I mean? yeah. So you said you were coaching at Leighton Square. So how did that you know evolve and develop into you becoming a manager now? Yeah, I owe, I owe that that time everything really at Leighton Square. We had a, a, play, a senior play leader called Michael. I don't know if you remember Michael, but Michael's the senior play leader at, um, at Leighton Square. And um, he encouraged me, got me doing voluntary uh, work, uh, coaching young boys, um, giving me a chance to build my, my coaching <clears throat> up. And we then got a Sunday team. So then we got the competitive edge, um, which was great. And I started to think, you know, I like this. Like I like the fact yeah. that I'm able to help young people um, I could see something in them that maybe they couldn't see in themselves. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Try yeah, and guide yeah. them a little bit on the pitch and off the pitch. I, I quite liked that. I felt that I was able to give something back. Yeah. Um, and then Michael, I went to him where we were, I think 25, 26, and said, look, I think we should start a, like a, a scholarship program up. Um, we were funded by the council. So we just went to the council with this idea of like, look, these boys are 16, they're leaving school. Some of them might not go to college. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they could be lost to to the street, mm, which was mm. very real. Um, yeah. So we just especially said, in that area, hundred percent, hundred percent. And they were very gifted players. They just needed a focus. So we we went to the council and just said, can we do this program where they train three days a week, um, and they go to to college together and they study either A level or or B tech. Mm. Um, and and obviously the the carrot of playing football would sort of keep them on the straight and narrow. Um, and that, and and the council backed it, and they said, "Yeah, we'll, we'll do it." So we did it for three years with the council, um, and that gave us a real chance to be semi, like not professional, but give us a chance to to try and build our our own coaching, but also build other people. And a few people had gone pro in the first three years, so mm-hmm. we knew that we was onto something. Um, you know, they had a bit of legs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But which players? Just, <clears throat> um, one of the first ones was Justin Roberts. Okay. He was a, a centre half. He he only came in for he came in in the July and left sort of mid season in our first ever year. Um, at the end of that year, Albert Jarrett went to uh, Wimbledon. Okay. Um, yeah. And and he, Albert came out of Wimbledon again and then went into Watford in the Premier League. Um, but that was in our first year. Um, in the second year, Georgia Lacobie. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Went, went into Wolves. Yeah. 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 Um, so like we we had a few boys who who had moved on in the first few years and was thinking, Do you know what that. Like, like we've done okay and this is something that we can build on because you never know how, how long it's going to, if it's going to work or, or not. Of course. Um, so the funding got pulled by the, by the council, but we knew that we could, we had something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Foundation. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. We, we continued to do it. Um, um, and that's roughly around the time when you joined our academy, Joe. And yeah. 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 School <laughs> we, we, were, yeah. we were with Fisher, you know, and um, we spent, I think, three years with Fisher. Um, and they still was like we would we would run the academy we just played for them you know what I mean and yes it was a it was a good experience um, we we started to have more age groups that we were looking after um, so we had younger players and obviously top end academy were eighteen and then we had boys going into Fisher's first team so mm. it start again started to feel like wow this is good there's a pathway for people mm. and they can still go pro do you know what I mean so mm. no, it was alright you know 
Yeah, that's uh, very interesting. So how how did the move into Dalich Hamlet come about as well? Because we all know you as Dalich Hamlet yeah. manager. You've been there yeah, for yeah. you know 10, 11 years. You've built up a real legacy. Yeah. I know there's going to be a lot of Dalich Hamlet fans listening. Yeah. So how did that come about? So we, we when we started the academy, the first three years, it was Dalich Hamlet. So the partnership was with the council and, and Dalich Hamlet. Um, so Aspire was, was me, Junior, yeah. uh, Michael, etc. And then we would you know, do the work and basically go and competitively play for Dulwich um, for the first three years. And then after that, we got poached by, by Fisher at the time. Fisher were a team that were getting, like a lot of money was getting pumped into the first team mm. for them to go up, go through the leagues. And they they got two promotions and they were doing really well in the Conference South. And the, the owner at the time just said, look, we've seen what you've been doing over there. We'd like you to run the youth section for Fisher, uh, which we'd done for two, three years. And then, it got to a point where I was playing football again, but not really enjoying it, just going through the motions. Yeah. And then I, I decided, look, I'm going to just take a punt. <clears throat> I spoke to the owner at Dulwich Hamlet and just said, look, I think I can do better than what your guy is doing at the moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. give us a chance and we'll, you know, we'll do what we need to do. Yeah. And he, he, he sort of believed in it as well, but it, it came off the back of a season where I I managed Beckenham Town. I don't know if you remember that, Joe, but yeah. I managed Beckenham Town and, um, that was senior football as well, so mm. it was like, wow, like you know what, Gav, I like this as well. I like the yeah. fact that we're, <laughs> we're working with men, yeah. Um, and there's something at the end of it that they're getting paid to do this, mm. so that the stakes were sort of higher. Um, so I thought, you know, I like a bit of this, it's getting a bit more competitive. So that's why I said at the end of that year, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go and ask the Dulwich owner at the time, would he be interested in having us? And to be fair, he was, um, and that's where it all started, really. Wow, yeah, so you're a Dulwich Hamlet manager now. I know you took over when they were in the Ryman South. So yeah. how would you describe the experience of managing Dulwich Hamlet and, yeah? For me, it's a, a proud one because <clears throat> I grew up in Peckham. Um, yeah. You can't get more local clubs than yeah, Dulwich Hamlet yeah, for yeah, me yeah. as a Peckham person. So, yeah, I'm a local boy. Um, and to be able to try and help your local team progress um for me is probably the biggest you know thing you can do um so it's been great it's a great experience i've learned a lot over the years and myself and junior we've learned a lot yeah uh, we've grown up a lot with the club um we've seen so many people uh do well player player wise do well for themselves uh whilst passing through and and having careers um we've met a lot of good people at the club uh, who work for the club for free uh, volunteers, good, really good people. Um, the supporters as well. We, you know, we don't know everyone because yeah. the numbers have grown. <laughs> but there's some supporters we've seen from the first day we got there, and they're still there now. Mm. Um, and you know, you know, they're people that it's not about football anymore. You know, they're mm. nice people, and you, 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 we've met some good people along the way. So, working for the club for this period of time hasn't just been about football. Mm. I mean, for me, yeah, I'm a football man, but you, there's a lot more to life than that as well. Yes, mm. yes. So how, how how does it make you feel when you see like supporters that were there from the beginning yeah. and you have a game let's say on the weekend and you still see them today? How does that like does yeah, that make you feel proud? Or? Yeah, it does. It does, especially when they're a part of a, a crowd. Like yesterday we had 2,900 and they were part of that crowd and they would have known what it would have been like when we first came. Mm. How know. many did you have when you first started? Um, um, I think the average is 162. Wow. Yeah, the average wow. was 162. Wow. And, like, wow. you, you, you used to be able to hear conversations yeah. <laughs> whilst the game was going on. You could hear people's conversations, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's what it was like. And and the team wasn't really competitive either. So people were coming, but 
they were just coming. They weren't yeah. coming with any expectation of the team doing okay. well. So we knew that, in a sense, that was good for us because there was no expectation. We could actually raise the bar yes. without anyone realising. Um, so the first year, it was a mid-table finish we had um, and everyone was like, oh, that weren't bad. But for us, it was, weren't great. Mm-hmm. But the second year, we got in the playoffs and everyone was like, wow, we got in the playoffs. And you could see all people getting excited. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. They had something to think about. Oh, well, Dulles are actually going to be okay. Like, So that was good. That was good. It was good to sort of waken up people's expectations and and make them sort of think, you know what? I, if Dulles lose, I care. Whereas before, yeah. if they had lost, it would have been like, okay, who cares, sort of thing. Mm. But now it matters if the team win or lose. Um, you know, it actually means something to someone's life now. Mm. I just want to divert, like, the term leadership. Yeah. Would you say it has changed from when you started to what yeah. it is now? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> my understanding of leadership's changed, obviously, over the years. Being a young person with a uh, responsibility of looking after players mm. who, who, who are young and developing as well, um, you know, at times you, you, you honestly think you're doing doing the right thing when you're younger, but when you look back at reflection, you think that could have been handled better or yeah. differently or with more, more patience and things like that. So I've become more patient, um, I think, before I talk mm-hmm. now, whereas... Before I'll just say whatever, <laughs> whatever came in my mind, you know what I mean. Uh, you know, you know, some some you had to be a tough character to be 100%. around me when, when I was younger. Yeah, I remember uh, those days. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah, those yeah. days. I, I, was, I used to think, you know what? It was a it was a survival of the fittest sort of yeah. mentality. Yeah. And if you if you could survive my tongue at times, then you you never look back. Yeah. yeah. And now I think you know what? It doesn't really have to be that way. Don't get me wrong. There's time for home truths, but I think yeah. Yeah. there's also time for. Uh, a listening ear. Um, there's also time to just, you know, take time out and analyse mm. before you have, have a chat with somebody. So leadership's definitely changed for me and it, it continues to, to change for me. Um, I think the game's changed. I think society's mm-hmm, changed. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, The young people <clears throat> now uh, that we come across uh, are different to the young people we came across 10 years ago. What would you say the biggest differences are between the current generation and 10 years ago? I think 10 years ago, the players who were playing had a, they had a determination to, to succeed. They had a thicker skin to succeed. Whereas players in this generation, they do want to succeed. But there's a lot of different permutations that come with that. Yeah. 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 So, you know, if they're playing in a nice kit, they feel good. Mm -hmm. Wow, you get a little bit more out of them. Do you know what I mean? There's all the, there's all these different little things that that wouldn't have been such a, a massive distraction to the player ten years ago. Um, a lot more sensitivities now. Um, you know, even in non-league, players like to be pampered in non-league. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Whereas you so, think that wasn't happening before. Gavin, do you think that's because of the new modern day manager that we see on, on in today's television? For example, when we yeah. watch the Premier League, we see Pep Guardiola, we see Jurgen Klopp nowadays. Do you think yeah. they've had like a massive impact onto the way non-league is is treated. Possibly, yeah, yeah. I think in a positive way. I think even the the players, like players, do a lot of Instagram stories and Twitter stories. And obviously, if you're a non-league player, you've got ambition to to be that player. You're gonna watch what that person's doing, good or bad. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so they'll see players act in a certain way, or this is sort of things they do on their videos whether it be training, whether it be socialising, mm. and they want to be that person. They think this is how you have to conduct yourself, do you know what I mean? So in a good and bad way, um, what the, the managers do and what the, the, the players do 
yeah, is what these boys are looking at mm-hmm. and they're emulating and so yeah, I remember five to ten years ago when I used to play under you, when we used to play, we used to play out from the back, good football, and that was probably scorned upon by the opposition, kick through them, do this, do that. Would you say like five to ten years later, more teams are playing a different style of football, like playing out from the back, or yeah. it's still much of the same? No, it's definitely more, I think there's more thoughtful coaches now. There's a lot of coaches who think about um, the way they're trying to do things. Um, it isn't so... Just get it forward and kick them. Yeah. There's a little bit more thought process in in the um, in the way people are going about their jobs. You you can tell that because when you when you put your team out, uh, if they have a opposition managers giving you things to think about, you know that they've actually been working on stuff. Yes. Uh, technically and tactically, so you know I think definitely there's a lot more. Um, the games are a little bit more pure. Ta- tactically, it's a lot better than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, at this level, at non-league level, there's some good coaches. Mm. People put a lot of time and resource into what they're doing and developing players and, and putting their team out to play in a certain way. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of good coaches in, in, in non-league football now and good managers as well. So, what's your philosophy? Yeah. If you're going to describe your philosophy to anyone, how would you say you like to play football and are there any current managers that you say, yeah, my model, philosophy, yeah, yeah, I model my game on them? It's hard because it's player, it's, it's, down to, it's player-led sometimes. You you may think, look, I want to play out from the back, but if your two centre-halves can't do that, mm-hmm. you, you can't do that. Do you know what I mean? But is, that, so, is that something you can coach into them? Or? Depends. I mean, if you've got a player who's like 30 and he mm. can't play out from the back, he's just not going to be able to play out from the back. You, mm. you can ask him to do a little bit, but if you ask him to do too much that he's learned something for like that, mm. 14, 15 years of his senior career to change, yeah. you know, it's probably not going to happen. And, you know, if you want to go for your ideal, you might say, look, I've got a 19-year-old in my academy who can play out from the back, but then he doesn't know the game. And yes. it's, it's a hard it's a hard sort of balancing yeah. act. Yeah. Um, so the ideal is, yes, for me, is to, to play, uh, to play good football. Uh, one and two touch in, in the other team's half you want to express yourself even more um, yeah we still have that element of us you know that's an identity that I think the supporters at Dulwich Hamlet have come to know yeah. um, and they, they appreciate so if we ever play very basic football you'll hear play, uh, supporters <laughs> going get the ball down <laughs> yeah. possible what's this it's the same way you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. which I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about there are times that we've had to be more pragmatic in our approach because we've looked at it and said you know we haven't got the playing personnel mm. or the other team are actually just way better than us and we need to just basically survive in that game to yeah. get to the next game do you know what I mean yeah um, but ideally the ideal scenario for me is to to play good attractive football um, technical football that is that's my stamp I get more enjoyment out of that you know like if you win a game and you can do it in that style yes. I think you, you go with a different feeling than, yes. than just winning the game Definitely. Would you say your training methods have adapted over time as well? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. When I used to speak to Joe, he would say, "Ah, oh, Doc, Gavin, <laughs> the running that we've done today is the craziest running I've done in my life. Yeah. Pre-season, <laughs> pre-season was a nightmare. I remember doing lots of runs. You'd drop on the floor. You'd be like, Joe, Joe, get up. You have to complete it. So it's about building up that mental fortitude as well yeah, as physical. Yeah, yeah. I remember Joe used to be like, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Um, it used to be very hard. Um, and I always used to think that the young players coming through, 
um, from the local area had natural talent. I always used to think they had natural talent, but maybe um, they needed that little other side of the game, the hard work and the physical aspects, yeah. knowing that you can get through the hard the hard work. So when that moment uh, comes in games, you're you're prepared yeah. to, to you know. Mm. Uh, so I always used to think you know this is something an element that was missing from some of the players. The natural stuff you didn't have to coach some of it. Mm. To be honest with you, um, but yeah, as the years have gone on, uh, we we work hard in training, but we do a lot of work with the ball. Um, so players are engaged. They sometimes don't even realise they work so hard okay. because they're enjoying the, they're enjoying mm-hmm. the session. Um, there ain't really any running we do without the ball really um, but they come away going wow that was hard you know that was like oh, you know what I mean I didn't expect yeah. that but so we've got what we want out of it but we also got the players enjoying it and actually getting better at what they're they're, they're paid to do which is use the ball you know yeah so at your time at Dulwich Hamlet um, there, there's been a few name misses with playoff finals and losing them then having to regroup and so how has that been (laughs) how has that been like to because we've seen it if we want to compare it to the modern times Jurgen Klopp losing finals so how is it trying to rally your troops and get them back on it the following season even for yourself personally how does it how do you go again yeah hard um I think in my youth career managing and coaching most of our teams won every week so I was pretty spoiled thinking this is what it's going to be like when I manage um, so that was that first bit of adversity you know our first year in the, in the playoffs we lost to Leverhead we were 3-1 up with about 8 minutes to go and we ended wow. up losing the game in extra time wow. so that was like a choker for, for myself and, and the players and that year we weren't nowhere near expected to go up so it would have been a massive shock if we had, if we had done it mm. and the second year um, we stayed at the top of the table for the majority of the year and then ended up losing the playoff final against um, Bognor uh, Bognor Regis okay. so that was again another little sickener for us you know mm-hmm. and uh, it was really hard that year I think in particular um, I felt you know what maybe I can't take the club any further and maybe I should look elsewhere you know what I mean mm-hmm. that's how I felt because yeah, yeah. it was like two years in a row um, and then you know I don't know we just sat down because you know it's ain't a good way to end we want to end it on a high uh, so we we built another team up um, and that year we got Erhan back from Turkey and he was sort of like the catalyst to... Um, Erhan at Zama. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He was a catalyst to the way we sort of went forward as a, as a club in a sense because he basically put a lot of bums on seats the way he played football. Okay, yeah. The way I wanted us to play football, I had a, like a reference. Yes, you know, yes. You know, like they say he's a Turkish Messi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I actually understand what they mean because if like Barcelona, if you look at Messi, he's the, you know, he's the, he's the reference in a sense. So we had we had a reference and we players were much more comfortable getting on the ball knowing that if we get him the ball, you know, he'll look after it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So our style of play was better. Mm. We, we ended up beat, winning the league. Um, we had Maystone who were financially well-backed we had a very poor budget and when we ended up winning the league so it was a massive achievement um, but yeah I, I'd say like the, the knockbacks we had further knockbacks after that we missed out on playoffs by a point the year after then the next two years we lost the playoff finals again wow. um, so yeah it was it was hard but I think every year you, you grow you grow stronger and you realise like there's only one team can win the league and maybe one team go up in the playoffs yeah. 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 all the other teams you know they're fighting to either survive or, or whatever so you know it made us realise winning is actually something you need to cherish when you win you enjoy it really enjoy mm-hmm. it even even game by game whereas I was one of those people that was thinking you know what I'll celebrate it in the season that's how I used to think I okay. think you know what I'm not here to 
celebrate the small wins. I'm here to celebrate the big wins. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, in a sense, I'll just keep my emotions, you know, in intact until we win. You know what I mean? At the end. But even now, like we win a game now, I'm I'm happier. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I take that as you know what. Take every little small win as it's it's a big win. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. Um, but again. In reality, the big win in my head is is, is getting promoted or, or winning the league. Okay. So, I just have a random question. Is like the FA Cup for you guys, like the holy grail? Is that where everyone thinks, yeah, we need to showcase our talent? <laughs> or even hit the jackpot yeah. as well, because financially for Pablo <laughs> yeah, and Dalit Hamlet, yeah. you get the I, big bucks. I think a lot of the Dalit supporters, is probably a bone of contention with myself, is that they've always, we've not done so well in the FA Cup. Um, the youth section have done very well. Yeah, I remember playing done, against yeah. Norwich yeah, and exactly. getting sent off. Exactly, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the youth section have yeah. really done really well, and I think that's 100% the holy grail at, at youth level. Um, it's a chance for young people to showcase their talent. A lot of people have got professional deals off the back of it mm. and and since we've been with the first team we've not done very well in the F, in the FA Cup it's something we'd like to change but it comes around really early okay. uh, in the season <clears throat> and some teams you don't get your rhythm mm. do you know what I mean until four, five, six games in and you've already played an FA Cup game and if you draw a team that's decent mm-hmm. you, you, you could be out before you know it do you know what I mean yeah, yeah so course. so it's one of them things that we've we've always got going a bit later in the season anyway uh, Historically, and at times it just it's caught us cold. Mm. Um, but yeah, we we do value a lot of um, you know on on the FA Cup. Like you say, financially, mm-hmm. it can make a big difference to the club. You know, your budget can actually be paid for if you go three or four rounds. Literally, um, and that's that's real because we hear that a lot on TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, it's real. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've doubled the um the the revenue now. The prize wow. money has been doubled, so. You know, at the end of the day, for a non-league club, you imagine you've gone to the first round, mm. um, and you you could be looking at forty, fifty, sixty k. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the second round, it gets doubled. You know what I mean? It, Crazy. It's endless. Yeah. It's yeah. endless in terms of what that can be for mm. for a club at, at our level or clubs around that level. You know. Mm. Um, you alluded to like you know changing your approach as a manager with time. Yeah. Um, obviously, <coughs> you know that you have um, a beautiful young daughter. So, yeah. would you say? having like a connection with your daughters brought out a different perspective from you when it comes yeah. to managing players. Yeah, definitely. I think um, game's an emotional game. If you win, uh, you know, you're high, you lose, you're, you're lower. Um, yeah. But I think having a, a, a little daughter, I think at the end of the day, you just realise that, you know what, you can't firstly bring that back into your home. You can't bring that okay. oh, lost and, you know, the whole weekend spot in your own family yeah. home that can't happen for one and also you just sort of have a different perspective so I, I tend not to talk too much if we lose after the game because that, that will be 100% emotion um, um, and then when you have a bit more time what you're going to say is a bit more thought out you know you can say look guys I thought we were a little bit this or a little bit that we could have done a bit better at this and stuff like that and sometimes actually we've played well but you know it was unlucky but when you come in 10 minutes after a game You've just lost. Yeah. Your emotions running. Yeah. You, you know, your human side comes out mm-hmm. and you don't get your words back. You know, you don't get your words back. So you just got to be, you know, a little bit more measured. Uh, I've become more measured as I've got older um, and just realising when to say things and when not to. Um, yeah. But surely there's some games like 
let's say if your team put in a tepid performance, yeah, surely oh, after yeah. that game there's a dressing down. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, listen, within reason, but there, there has to be a standard. There has yeah. to be a standard, you of know. Course. So at the end of the day, if the standard drops dramatically, you know, in there we've got say three thousand people at our home game, mm. and we have a decent travelling support. They they are owed a performance, mm. and they're owed a, a minimum of a decent effort level at a minimum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if them sort of things are called into question, then yeah, that becomes a little bit of a, a issue that needs to be dressed down, and people need to know. Look, at a minimum, you have to put the effort in, and you have to make sure these these supporters feel like you're playing for their for their club you know so that doesn't really happen a lot I must be honest with you but mm-hmm. again the players are all human so they might have off days and you just don't I hope they don't have off days altogether to be honest yeah. with you do you know what I mean yeah. Yeah. yeah you've been working with Junior for a long long time so how important is your team as well because oh, yeah. I know you might get all the credit but there's yeah. other people working in the background yeah, I know yeah. in the non-league there's volunteers so yeah. how important are these people to the fabric of yeah. you know your work no, to be honest with you, Junior's like literally uh, been essential for for me. Um, there are times where he'll pick up conversations that I won't have. He'll speak with people when maybe when they're down, lift them up a little bit, like that. Um, preparation, he, he helps me with as well. I would never be able to carry out um, my job as well if I didn't have Junior. Uh, there's Junior James who now is helping me in the academy and the first team. He's very, very much a student of the game. Um, he's like forward thinking. Um, um, so we've got a great staff team, you know, and without them, I'd, I'd be struggling. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about, it's not really about me, to be honest with you, it's about the group. Mm. Um, if we win games, it's, I'm not the greatest manager in the world, it's, it's a group thing. Team, yeah. yeah, and sometimes it's the preparation, even the club, you know, if the club help us with little aspects mm-hmm. um, in terms of preparation for the, for the games, They've they've helped to us get a result. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So yeah. it's, for me, I never really talk about it as a, a me thing because it ain't a me thing. It's a it's a collective, you know. Um, so yeah, no, they're very important to us. Last season, you were playing amongst the backdrop of you know your stadium, you know, potentially being closed down or taken away from you. Yeah. So getting promoted to the conference south, having to play with that in the background, how was that experience as well? Yeah, it was tough. It was tough because, like, at one point we were—I think we were top of the league at the time. Mm. We were playing some really good football, and then all of a sudden, something came out of the blue from the the then owners, just saying like, you know, you could have to play somewhere else. You can't play here. Um, it was a dispute between them and the council, uh, which the club actually had nothing to do with. Um, obviously, uh, a financial dispute, uh, dispute about land, etc., etc. But for mm. us, we were like, we ain't doing nothing wrong. We we're playing good football. We're top of the league. What's it got to do with us? Um, we were getting really good gates, uh, two to three thousand um, at our home game, and we went to two in, and that dropped straight away to your sixes and sevens. Wow! Which, to be fair, they're good. They're good gates for that level. Yeah. But when you become used to your yeah. your, your three thousands, um, it it's hard then to motivate yourself as a player even me to motivate them because it's like a sudden a quick sudden drop um, in attendances and just the, the fair factor is are we going to be getting paid next week do you know what I mean yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a lot of media stuff going on that saying you know the club could be sort of running to extinction within within weeks but the players the players I had at that point uh, I'll give them 100% credit they um, they didn't let it affect them if it affected them I didn't see it that much you know they yeah. 
they worked hard. We we had a siege mentality in in a sense. We came together. Um, we didn't make it that an excuse, and we won a lot of games, you know, in that period, and then that that culminated in promotion, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That was a, a difficult period um, in the first um, season when we won the Ryman League. Oh, sorry, when we got promoted from the Ryman League. Um, but I think the it started to take its toll in the second year, which was last year. Yeah, uh, when we got promoted, and the reality was nothing's changed. We're still getting 600s, 700s at the gates. Yeah. Um, and you know what? We really, this can't go on for much longer. Um, so then the pressure, I think, the, the level of player we were playing against, the level of team we were playing against, were better. Um, we didn't really have the, the chance to really change our playing squad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get promoted and you go to another league. Yeah. You're going to need to add players. Of course, yeah. Well, yeah we yeah, never yeah. really got the chance to do that. We stayed with a group that really and truly, they'd done really well for us. But maybe one or two would have got moved on um, a little bit earlier. But because they knew us and we knew them and the situation the club was in, it's probably better to stay with those group of players because they would have probably stayed with us if if you said if you had to have an uncomfortable conversation, say, look, there's no money this week. They probably would have rid through the storm. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas a, a player who hadn't played for you would be thinking, no, 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 see you later. I'm, yeah. I'm out of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so them guys... We, we, we we kept them on because they'd been with the club three, four, five years, some of them, and, and they were sort of part of fabric of the club and they'd done really well. Um, essentially, though, I think if we were still at Dulwich, we might have maybe moved one or two on and then added one or two and then we might have been more competitive. Okay, uh, yeah. And the worry of, is the club going to survive, wouldn't have been there. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Wow. So what would you say is the short-term and the long-term you know, vision of Dulwich Hamlet? Because... One of my good mates, Julius, was so keen to know yeah. the future plan. It's, it's um in this period off the pitch where we've been out of our stadium, we've got two new directors, um, Ben Claspow and, and, and Tom Cullen, um, and two two guys who've got real ambition mm. for the club, uh, on and off the field, <clears throat> building up the community um, aspect of it. We've started a ladies' team. who I, I think they're playing now, actually, for their first competitive game. Okay. Um, so- Working with Aspire uh, wow. a bit at closer quarters in terms of engaging the young youth in our area, yeah, uh, not just competitively football wise, but also just socially as well, yes, yeah. and then also having a competitive team, you know. Um, so for me, the main thing was just having a chat with them, sort of at, towards the end of the year, would, where do we want to go? Some like your question, basically, yeah, okay. <laughs> and it was like, look, you know, we know you're ambitious, and we want to be just as ambitious as you are. Um, if we have a like a sort of a plan of action of what we want to do year one, year two, year three. Um, if it makes sense, we'll, we'll we'll go with it. And the first thing I wanted to do is change the culture. And we, we've gone with three mornings now, mm. um, training, and and that gets us a little bit closer to being professional. Okay. Yeah. Even though we're competing in the conference south, yeah. if you want to get somewhere, sometimes you've got to take certain positive actions. Of course. Uh, okay. So the culture of the club is good. You know, they get in in the mornings. They 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 do their prehab. They do. Uh, they they train um, in the morning. They come back. They eat lunch together. Mm-hmm. Um, they can do screenings. Mm-hmm. They've had screenings before. They even sign for the club. Um, they've got gym programs outside of it. So they're starting to act in a, in a way of professionalism. Yeah. And if we want to get to the conference, most conference teams are full time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and teams that ain't full time in the conference, they normally come down. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. we're thinking if we were lucky enough to get to the conference. 
we want to have that culture already set in place mm. so there isn't too much upheaval yes. of trying to work in a new league and then trying to compete mm. as you know as a part-time team. Yeah, as you alluded to, you recently signed like a three-year deal. Yeah. Um, I know there's been a lot of interest in you as well. So how difficult or easy was it to sign the three-year deal? Because mm. everyone around the circuit knows you as a top manager mm. and... Everyone you speak to says Gavin should be managing at a higher level, stuff like that. So how is it easy to commit for another three seasons? I think the chat I had with the, the directors as well was good because they they want to get the club into league football as, uh, eventually, you know. Um, so for me, if I'm working on a project which is going forwards, mm-hmm. um, then the onus is down to me now. Look, they're, they're supporting me. So it's down to me and then the group of players mm-hmm. to get the club going in that direction yeah. Yeah. so I, I'm happy with that responsibility um, so that was the reason why it was easier to do that <clears throat> um, it's weird because for many years I hadn't had any approaches from clubs you know and okay. at, at one point it used to bother me thinking oh, what's the problem do you know what I mean but now um, I'm not that worried about things like that and the last year or two I've had probably more approaches than you know I've ever had do you know what I mean well. um, but uh, it's, everything's about timing um, and I'm very committed to Dulwich um, and I think if I can continue to grow the club I'd like to leave the club in a much better position than it is now and, mm-hmm. and, and with a foundation that you know when someone else takes over they can continue that rather than it just sort of maybe going backwards it, it, so for me it isn't just about getting the club to a certain foundation it's just but setting a foundation yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that it can continue to, to do well um, for, for the next person who takes over uh, and goes from there. You're known, you know, as a manager around, you know, London as someone that always produces a conveyor belt or conveyor belt of talent. Now, what's the secret? We've had Erhan Zuma, we've had Ethan Pinnock, we've had Marco Koye, we've had Georgia Lacobi, as you said. Yeah. So, what's the secret? How do you keep managing to find these gems and get these top players into uh, professional football? Because everyone would like to know. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think there's a secret. Um, uh, I think we, we believe in the talent. So, first thing is, if a player comes to non-league football, they, they want to be a pro, but they're probably thinking, you know, is this going to happen? Mm. The first thing, we, if we believe they can do it, we start to set out smaller objectives for how they can improve. Um, and then st- then once they've got that, go on to the next bit. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. we always try and set little targets for them individually, and then they have to sort of work within the team framework as well. It's not all about the individual. Um, so I think we, we try and do that. But <clears throat> I think the main thing what we've always done is try and give them that ambition. Don't 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 turn off that light. You can still be a professional. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But you just got to work hard. You've got to be honest with yourself. Mm. You know, um, all the boys that do really well, I think, are really honest. They they look in the mirror. They're, uh, they're willing to do extra work. Mm-hmm. They're willing to look at themselves and take themselves seriously. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, you need characteristics as well. Like we can give them as much as we want to give them, but if you haven't got the characteristics to to do the other bit on your own, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we'll never get the, the product at the end of it. And mm-hmm. there isn't a player that's left us and, and done well that hasn't done their own stuff on their own mm-hmm. um, without mm-hmm. us looking, without us breathing down their necks. Mm-hmm. They've gone, you know what? I do want to do this and I'm going to do that extra training. I'm going to look at my, my videos and see where I'm going wrong. I'm going to, do you know what I mean? And, yeah, and yeah. I, you can't take all the credit for it. Them, them players who've gone on have done their own stuff on their own as well. They've they've mentally took the challenge mm-hmm. uh, and ran with it. Where we've had other players who've done really well over the years, but they've not taken the next step yeah. because they've not invested enough time in themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And um, 
I think we all know if you invest time in yourself, it, it, you know, there's, there's going to be fruit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember even when Mark Anthony Okoye came on, he said, the way you guys are doing at Dulwich Hamlet, like, you just create like such an environment for everyone to just flourish and he mm. reap the rewards. Yeah. So how does that feel when you've got ex-players like coming out, like, you know, giving you a lot of praise? How, yeah. how does that make you feel? Yeah, great, great. Because at the end of the day, you're, you're, that's what you're doing it for. We're, we're we're serving people, you know. We're not trying to do it for ourselves. We're trying to lay a foundation for people to to do well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if if a lot of people do well, we do well. So it's great. But you know, at the end of the day, I remember when Mark came in. He was um, centre midfield player. You know, he came in as a centre midfield player. He could handle the ball. He, he was athletic. Um, but I felt that he would be better as a centre half. Mm-hmm. Um, and his progression has been as a centre half, um, and we had a wrestle with it. You know, he was like, "No, I, I, I'm on the floor. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I'm a, I'm a, I can do this. I can do that." I'm like, "No, no, Mark. No, you're a defender. Do you know what I mean?" Mm-hmm. But the good thing is, again, it goes down to his mentality because he didn't continue thinking about his ego or himself. Mm-hmm. He's like, "You know what? I'm going to trust these people, and I'm going to do it." And it, and he done it, and that was the difference. You know, and he, there's some guys who just persistent and say no no I'm a midfielder I'm a right back I'm a this and you know what you're like cool no problem you, you don't you don't continue sort of going back and forth with that you know but he sort of put his ego in a sense to the side that's exactly what he, he said yeah yeah literally, yeah, literally. yeah, yeah. And, and that's the biggest thing a lot of people are, are unable to see that what's in the way is their ego you know what I mean and sometimes you you can't see that and when you when you come away from the environment you probably realize that mm-hmm. we, we've had players that you know They've come away from our environment and realised that they got in their own way of their own development and they sort of would love the time back. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And you, yeah. I can attest to that probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think yeah. I, I think a lot of people would, mm. you know. Just as well as I'm open to knowing that I've made many mistakes over the years, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people as players will go, do you know what, I probably made mistakes as well. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could have, if I had listened to this or if I would taken it, I probably would be so far further ahead. But it's hard because in life we all got to make mistakes. Of course, mm-hmm. and that's how you learn. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I remember you alluding to the point a little bit earlier saying that you didn't get any opportunities whilst you were at Dali Chamlet in terms of mm. like moving up the pyramid in management. Do you think there was any specific reason why that was the case? I don't know. I think there's a lot of factors. I think uh, where we were playing was like the Ryman South at the time and then the Ryman Premier and maybe other clubs have thought that was not really not, yeah, yeah yeah maybe never yeah. had that respect for the level but the the counter argument to that is they still took our players and they were taking our players to the Premier League and to the Championship so it was relevant we were relevant what we were doing do you know what I mean um, so we always felt that if you're taking our players to, to a time to, to a season at times um, we must be doing something that is attracting you down mm-hmm. there so you know but at the end of the day um, I think nothing happens before it's time you know, and sometimes we can all be guilty of trying to force things in life. And I just feel, for me, if I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm enjoying it, I'm getting the best out of myself, then that's enough for me. And mm. when the right time comes for an opportunity, great. If it doesn't come, it doesn't come. I'm I'm more than content within myself now. I'm not worried about, you know, why is that not happening? Why is that not happening? I'm just trying to do the best I can. Mm-hmm. Where I am in any environment I'm in, trying to do the best I can, trying to help as many as I can. And, and it's, what happens from there goes from there, you know. One thing I'll say about the Aspire Academy is you guys know that not everyone's going to make it as a pro. Yeah. But it's about giving them the life lessons to yeah. cope in you know, the working environment. Yeah. And I think that's another 
you know, factor of your work that probably goes unnoticed. People yeah. just see footballers, they're churning yeah. out talent. Yeah. But you always, like, help individuals like myself. So yeah. how yeah. rewarding is that? It's more rewarding. When we first started, we, we only thought about the pros. Okay. <laughs> we, we came in thinking, yeah, we're going to make a pro, you know what mm. I mean? And then within a year, we realised that law of averages is maybe one might go through, maybe none, do you know what I mean? Mm. So what about these other 25 young men we've taken on? What happened to them? And whilst they were going to college, <clears throat> we still needed to, to round them and realise that, look, after college, what happens then? Mm-hmm. And also, how do they deal with maybe football ain't going to be my career? Something that they'd thought about for so many years. So mm. there was a lot of time sort of spent on trying to speak with people about that, how they're coping with it. Um, you know, just basically dealing with life because, you know, <laughs> we've all got our plans and dreams and sometimes when they're not going in the direction you want, it can be quite difficult to deal mm-hmm. with. Start doubting yourself. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. And also just direction. What am I going to do now then? I'm not going to be a footballer. What, what's next then? Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's literally making them realise, yeah, we, we can be that tough sort of uncle guy on the football pitch, but off the football pitch, we're here to listen, we're here to try oh, and help oh. you and... We're here to, you know, you're still a, a human that, you know, we want to build up. Um, you can be a success. You don't have to be a footballer. You can still be a success, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even not seeing you here doing this job. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. For me, it's, it's brilliant. Like, yeah, you know yeah. I, mean? like, I love seeing uh, the people that we've sort of worked with doing really well for themselves. Mm-hmm. It, it's rewarding. It's not just about doing well at football. Literally. It's just doing well in life. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so diversity in football has reached fever pitch that we're seeing among in the sports industry. So, as um, you know, a black manager, yeah. how how does from your standpoint, how is it seeing you know only a few, a handful of managers coaching in the football league, Premiership, etc. Mm. Do you feel there's a clear path for you to you know manage in the league, which mm. I know you'd obviously want to do? Yeah. Um... I wouldn't say there's a clear path, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I feel that black managers or black coaches or prospective black coaches um, are still discouraged because they don't see many of the same face that they see um, in the Premier League, in the Championship, going downwards. Um, If we look at the the ratio of football players uh, to to managers, it's very different. You know, it's, it's a massive change there's a lot of black players playing mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, the game in England now and then when it turns around to the end of the career there's not enough uh, managing or coaching would that be just because black players don't see themselves that way I don't know um, but a lot of black players who have sort of played football and finished have expressed that they just feel that they would never get the opportunity or when they have tried to get opportunities uh, it hasn't been there so I think you know we shouldn't be um, shy about saying that there still needs a lot of work to be mm-hmm, done in, in, mm-hmm. in England and, and you know, uh, equally responsibility for black managers or potential black managers. If you want to do it, go and try and do it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't let anything uh, deter you, you mm-hmm. know, at least give it a go and say, you know, I gave it a go and, you know, it maybe it wasn't, it wasn't for me or the environment didn't give me a chance, but I gave it a go. Don't sit on the fence mm-hmm. and, and sort of complain. Uh, that you're not going to get a chance and you haven't even tested the waters. So there's responsibility for for future black managers and coaches, but also the game in itself, um, there's a lot of responsibility for giving more opportunities as well. Do you think the implementation of the Rooney rule will kickstart and, you know, you know <coughs> jumpstart the... Uh, I'm not a fan managers. of it. I'm not a fan of it, to be honest with you. I do you think, think it's tokenism or...? I do. 
Okay. I do. I think at the end of the day, um, I don't. I don't want you to just include me into a round of interviews because I fit a you know a, a certain a criteria. Yeah, criteria. Mm. I just would like you to see me for me. You know, <laughs> if you think that I can maybe help in 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 helping your football club. Uh, then let's do that because you can see what I can do not because you know the colour of my skin means that you've got to go through these lines of questions and then tick me off and say thanks I've, well Gavin was my quota do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I'm not a fan of the Rooney rule to be honest with you um, if it gets people interviews great but essentially like you shouldn't need to do that in, in a sense that is actually racism to, to be quite honest with you like you know we're getting you into tick this quota Mm. That is actually racism, you know. You should just be doing it because mm. someone's good at their job. So, but don't you think like maybe they're using it as a tool as encouragement? Because as you said earlier, that there's probably a lot of black managers that think, nah, there's no path for us. So this is more like a springboard, and then eventually they'll get rid of it. Yeah, I, I understand what you mean, man. But just if you put yourself in the um in the eyes of the owner, the owner's doing this. He wouldn't have done this naturally without this rule. Mm. So he's doing it. Is he doing it with an open mind? Mm. Is he doing it thinking, you know what, I've just got to do this. So is he listening to the to the person who's trying to, you know, sell himself? Mm. You know, it just makes you think that, you know, it's, you know, it's tokenism in, in my yeah. in my opinion. So um, I would say, look, let's just uh, have a clean slate. If someone's talented and they've done good work, then you should recruit them on that only, mm. you know. So what advice would you give to, like, you know, young managers on the come up, you know, black managers or normal managers, what piece of advice would you give them if they wanted to pursue this managerial gig? Go as low as you have to. Don't, you know, obviously you want to end up at the top. Uh, yeah, you want to end up, we all know that. But if you have to go as low as you have to to get a job, to prove yourself, then do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't, if you love the game for loving the game, then go as low as you can, you know. Um, I know everyone, sometimes you think about the financial side of the game and, you know, maybe it can't support your life. But, you know, when we done non-league football at the start, we weren't even taking a wage, but we were basically, we had the Aspire Academy, which was our business. And that basically was the reason why for the first three years, we were able to even continue managing at Dulwich. You've got to make sacrifices. Um, if the level, if the playing field isn't level, yeah, what do you do about it? You don't moan and, you know, you don't, sort of bemoan yourself you just you work you take action exactly and that for me <clears throat> i think away from my own achievements i i would like to to be an inspiration for um other coaches to to you know to try and take that mantle don't don't think that you can't do it you can do it you know mm-hmm. and if i continue progressing which is what i'd like to do then i hope that it would inspire others in the boardrooms and also um other young coaches and, and managers to, to continue pursuing this career. Oh. Just, just finally, before we finish up, um, we know that you have like a, a diamond eye for talent. Mm. So what are the key you know, attributes and the key skills that you look for when it comes to talent? Um, I think talent, obviously, you know, there's different types of talent in players. You know, if you're a defender... Uh, it might be just your defensive attributes or you know um, how you use the ball uh, what you like on and off the ball your concentration um, mm. you know you're a midfielder you know it might be you might be a player who breaks the play up but you do it really well mm. it's, it's all different things you know there's not really a, a magic ball about that part of it I think mm. most of us in this room could say there's a good player over there mm. the difference in realising the talent of the player 
is really what he's like, how he thinks off the pitch. Okay. In, in my opinion, mm. you know, he, we can all look at, oh, he's a player, you can see it, we, we all can see it. It's just about, all right, how do we make this talent realise its potential? And it's normally down to how they see themselves mm. off the pitch, um, how serious they take themselves, how much they're willing to give uh, for the career of being a footballer. Uh, for me, that's always been the deciding factor. And I, I can normally tell that after speaking with a young man maybe 10 minutes okay that's very interesting and one more question I know every single position has changed over time but I want to ask you about one position in particular the goalkeeper position yeah do you want your goalkeeper to play from the back are you looking for your goalkeeper to be a passer before a goalkeeper or how is it (laughs) Uh, a goalkeeper first a goalkeeper first Um, yeah I think if you're going to play from the back now, your goalkeeper needs to be able to use the ball, circulate it around the back, be able to pass it over short and long distances. Um, and also be a good decision maker, mm. uh, knowing when to do it and okay. when not to do it. You know, if there's a good press on, then you have to miss the press out. It's, there's a lot. Mm. It's, a, it's changed. For, and I think a goalkeeper who's sort of 28, 29, 30, has been used to maybe not doing that as much. And it'd be very difficult for them to change overnight that type of way of playing do you know what I mean you can encourage them but you have to also realise there might be a limit on how much they can do Um, but young goalkeepers coming up through academies have sort of been brought up in that way Mm -hmm. to understand that they're expected to be able to use the ball and their their game or their potential will be limited in terms of if they can't do these things you won't play at the highest level do you know what I mean so I think um, that's universal in, in, in football at the moment that goalkeepers are now expected to to, to get involved in the play and circulate the ball and I, I I love it because I think it gives you another pass I think it makes the pitch bigger um, the new rule with uh, goal kicks the uh, defenders can go in the box yeah, it's a yeah. great rule because it makes the pitch massive because mm. forwards can't go in there until the ball's played um, so it means you really get a little bit of an advice to start from the back I think what, what the, the, the game are, are, are saying is that we want to play that way we want yeah. to start the game from okay. the back yeah. by, by having that rule mm. do you know what I mean so um yeah, I think it's good. I think it's it's progressive. I think I I like goalkeepers to be able to use the ball, but make good decisions, really. Yeah, going back to you know Dalit Hamlet, I know you've you know had a conveyor belt of talent, as I said. Mm. Um, I just wanted to know: is there any players that have come through the program that you look to them like probably within the first few training sessions and said, you know what, this boy is going pro? Yeah, um, Erhan was one. Okay. Um, he was only five foot three or something like that, but the way he moved with with him without the ball was like, this is there's no way this boy won't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though everyone in England would sort of say this guy's too small, mm-hmm. for me it was like, no, we're gonna give him the the platform to keep making sure you can't say that. So that's what we done for two years with Erhan. We we gave him a platform. So his stats were so high. He scored sixty one goals, I think, in two seasons. <laughs> and he was a number ten. He was there wow. to, to supply goals. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And um, he did that. He supplied loads of goals, but he scored sixty one as well. Um, and the thing is, that weren't really what his game was about. Was, yeah. He's a good footballer, you know. And it, it got to a point where people just couldn't say anything about his height. Um, but but we knew that you know the way this boy moves has got nothing to do with like non-league football. He's, he's too intelligent to play that level. He was one. Uh, I think Georgia Kobe 
Okay, yeah. He was one only because he had the sheer determination to be a professional. He came to us, um, someone recommended him to us, and he came to us with no boots. But wow. he, yeah, he, had, he was a poor boy, mm-hmm. um, humble boy, and we had to give him a pair of boots to train. Um, he literally was a sponge. Anything we said to the guy, he did it. You know, you know, go and do a bit of extra work on your right foot. He did it. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything we said. And even to this day, he said that, you know, some of the things that we spoke to him about, um, you know, his position he'll play and stuff like that, he carries that with him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There, there's certain foundations that we gave him that he will never, like, that's part of his game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, George, I thought was going to make it only because of his sheer willpower mm-hmm. to, to make it. It mm-hmm. wasn't down to... Just talent, because you know, if he's if it's just about talent, George wasn't like the most talented person, but just the willpower and desire to make it. You, you always had a, you, you had a feeling that he was always going to do well, and I think probably the last one would be Simeon Jackson. Oh, the striker. Yeah, yeah. Simeon played for us when he was a schoolboy. He just got released from Gillingham at the time. Um, he was a schoolboy playing with boys two years older than him, and. <laughs> His movement was unbelievable. He was really quick, but really intelligent. And he was one of those guys, once he was in front of goal, you could turn around and look at the centre circle. You knew it was going in. Very prolific. Um, so, yeah, I think Simeon was another one. What about players that have surprised you that you thought, wow, this was a bit of a shock? You know, no disrespect or of anything. Course. Yeah, just... Of course. Um, I would say not a shock. I think but, um, I think Ethan Pinnock, uh, when he came in, he was quite gangly. He um, mm-hmm. didn't grow into his body. Um, and you never really knew what position he was going to be. He played left back, left wing, midfield. The last position we played him was centre half, and that's actually where he's flourished. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would have been now to see him playing uh, in the championship. I would, I wouldn't have said, that, yeah, he's going to play in the championship. I wouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have definitely have said he would have had a chance of having a career. And, and we stayed with him in the, in the years where he didn't know his position yeah. because we knew that he had the right mentality. Um, he had enough attributes to do well. You know. Okay. So yeah, just to finish up, what's what's next for Gavin? Yeah, what's the long term goals? Because I know you've got lofty ambitions. You're very yeah. ambitious, yeah. as I know. So ultimately, where does the Gavin Rose story end up? Yeah. Um, like I think, short term at Dulwich Hamlet is to get the club to league football. That would be, I mean, that would be great. Uh, it's that's not easy, by the way. The mm. league we're in is difficult. The conference is another difficult challenge, but that'd be great if I was able to do that in in, in my time at Dulwich. Um, but you know, to leave the club in a, in a better position that it's in now would be would be great for me personally. Uh, I think we just touched on it on, on the fact that it's not really for selfish reasons, but um, I'm ambitious anyway to mm-hmm. do well. Yep. But I also feel that you know I've come right from the bottom. If I can mm. go as far as possible in the in the game. I think that would show uh, an example to some people that you know what you can you can graft and you can get to where you want to get to. So for me, it's to reach as far as I possibly can in, in football, uh, not not for selfish reasons or financial gain. Mm. Um, you just owe it to yourself. Yeah, I want to do the best I can mm. do. Yeah, I want to see uh, how far I can get in the game. Um, there's still a lot of improvement in me, um, and I, I'm I'm happy to keep doing that, keep learning and improving and and honing my my talent. Yeah. Gavin, big thank you, big thank you. That was really insightful. Mm. We love the insight. We love what you're doing and we're a big fan of your work. Thank you. Mm. It's been a pleasure to pick your brain and find out. And I know a lot of people listening, they're (laughs) going to really love it. Lovely, lovely. Thank you, man. Um, Yeah, so that's another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. 
Um, I just want to plug the Twitter. The Twitter is at podcast underscore TBG. And if you want to get involved in the discussion, I know there's going to be a lot of comments on this one. Yep. Use the hashtag TBGpod. Keep listening because we've got big things coming up. And follow our individual platforms, which is Dej underscore TBG. And I'm LFC Lino. And we'll see you next week. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.